The following Dharma talk was given for the Insight Meditation Community of Charlottesville, Virginia. Please visit our website at imeditation.org. I entitled the talk tonight, Awakening, um, being as we're three weeks into January. Um, and I'll just open with a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh who says, Awakened understanding is the practitioner's only career. Awakened understanding. So we're about halfway between the winter solstice of December and spring equinox of March. And for many of us with the cold weather, our bones and our eyes are full of the cold and the dark perhaps. And the sun's arc, when we can see it, is still fairly low to the horizon. But it is beginning to move northward. And if you've got bluebird boxes, it's time to think about when you're going to go out and clean those out because they'll be looking next month for new homes. So we're we're dangling here a bit uh, in winter, not unlike the uh, leaves on the white oak trees, which hold on till spring, till they're pushed off. And it might be interesting just to ask the question, what are you noticing? What are you aware of at this juncture, at this point in your life? Sometimes we fall into kind of a, a sleep, uh, not unlike dormancy, where we, we curl inward and we, um, we're quiet and um, there's maybe relatively little activity. Um, and really often it's in response to what's happened perhaps in December if it's been a busy month and this is a quiet time Um, sometimes it's a result of weariness from the weather or a perceived post-holiday sameness perhaps or a fear of upheaval real or imagined the fires and mudslides in California what's happening in Washington or in Charlottesville Uh, the upheaval of illness or impending death or death. So for each of us, there's a vacillating degree of, mm, you might call it unsatisfactoriness at times, with suffering in life, which is, of course, the Buddha's first noble truth. There is unsatisfactoriness. We want things to be other than the way they are in some moments. And sometimes we have a sense of the the mind and the body bracing against uh, what is feared or or, uh, perhaps losing something that we find ourselves clinging to. And so we we take up a habit life that allows us to, to, to be numb maybe for a little bit. We watch the latest Netflix series or we eat a lot. We graze. Um, we shop, we email, we go on social media, we spend time mentally preparing for what might happen in the next hour or tonight or tomorrow morning or, and we look in the mirror, we maybe exercise, we are back on social media again. So, and some of us get into closet cleaning. (laughs) It's almost as though we're trying to jettison all that stuff we've accumulated uh, for years because it's taking up too much space in our lives and in our minds. 
And there's nothing wrong with any of these. Only if it is a driven, reactive response that in some way is a habitual effort to control or to manage or to block out or to escape from that which is here. Sometimes the constancy of our movement is is really coming from a, a, you might call it a free-floating anxiety. It's just a cloud that feels like it's there and we're, we're aware of it and we feel some need to respond to that. If I just do this or do that, then I can have that abate in some manner. And it doesn't take much mindfulness to recognize that the suffering is coming because of our clinging, our wanting things to be other than the way they are. Either it's not here and we want it or it is here and we wish it weren't. Um, But we often find it really hard to let go of the clinging or even to see the letting go as possible and at times whether it's worthwhile. And our feelings of desire, they come with a compulsion that almost makes it seem like that the desire is necessary, that we need that in order to survive. Or we may approach clinging like a lottery. We're willing to bear the risk of suffering in exchange for the chance that the clinging will bring us well-being. And what we all know probably at some level is that this clinging is exhausting. It's exhausting, but letting go seems really scary. And the clinging at times can give us a sense of taking care of ourselves of holding tight to something that represents security or uh, holding on to people, individuals or judgments or some sense of self-identity. And these can be ways that we protect ourselves. And sometimes we may not quite know how to function without the motivation and the self-identity that comes from the clinging. So the question then is how to wake up from this trance if we feel stuck there. And we all know about mindfulness. We know that there is this path that leads to the cessation of suffering. And that's this path of living with some greater awareness. And the foundation of the path, the mindfulness piece is is. It's rather like a middle way. It's a way to to be with what's happening without shoving it away um, and becoming cold and distant, but not getting lost in it, not wallowing in it or being overwhelmed by it either. So I think maybe what part of what's needed is the recognition that We all have an instinctive drive to wake up. Some of it's culturally conditioned. The new year rolls around, the calendar changes, and we hear about resolutions, and in the back of our minds perhaps there's this thought, well, that was last year, this is a new year. What what is possible? What do I want to pay attention to? What matters? And and we want to make a dent in the world. That's, That's a sort of a... Uh, inner drive for each of us we want to have some influence 
we want to be a little innovative or creative in our life and we want to be recognized or seen pretty basic elements of being uh, living in these organisms this body and when there is when that instinctive drive to meet those needs is in balance there can be a, a kind of energetic engagement with life. And we are inclined in those moments to participate in a level that far exceeds the I, me, mine, self, egoic self. So we are perhaps noticing both expansiveness with maybe a New Year's resolution of wanting to move into a new territory, uh, see things a little differently, uh, live a bit more mindfully. Um, and there can be also a, a sense of restraint, like what is it I can restrain myself from in order to have the space to recognize what else might be possible. So the the Buddha uh, once said that if one sees that a greater happiness is found, found by letting go of a lesser one, the wise person will let go of the lesser happiness. And isn't that what we're about sometimes is, is trying to discern which is which? What's the greater happiness? Where can we let go for the sake of some larger happiness? And sometimes we forget um, that no matter what's happening to us, whatever the circumstance, that at the heart of every circumstance, you can check this out, see if you believe this, at the heart of every circumstance is a place of freedom. At the heart of every circumstance is a place of freedom. Illness, angry customers, whining colleagues, traffic at a standstill, disappointed parents, computer glitches, unruly kids, unkind messages. What do we believe? Do we believe that at the heart of every circumstance is a place of freedom? So maybe we can, at this third week in January, we can revisit this idea that we're not too far for, away from aspiration. If you uh, took a look at aspirations for 2018. And it may be that we don't really need to create inhuman lists of what we should do, need to do, can do. But... For many of us, it's more about simplicity and ease. And so there's, there's the quote I found, and I don't know who to attribute to, um, but this is, this is what it says, and I'm going to frame it like a question. So what if we were to, quote, let ourselves off the hook and then see what small bodhisattva or compassionate activity we can get up to today in our crazy and imperfect lives where death waits behind an unknown 
door. Let me read it one more time. What if we were to let ourselves off the hook and then see what small bodhisattva or compassionate activity we could get up to today in our crazy and imperfect lives where death waits behind an unknown door? Can you appreciate that idea of letting yourself off the hook? I just feel some great sense of ease about, oh, yes, I can breathe again. And the hook, do we know what the hook is for each of us? The one that feels sharp or rigid or like inhabiting the straitjacket of habitual reactivity or nagging expectation. Where might we find release? So when we're tempted to complain about illness or disappointment or um, resentment, what if we freed ourselves from the story that goes with that sensation in the body or that thought or that mind state? What if we, again, remembered that at the heart of every circumstance is a place of freedom where we can become still which is not unlike nature in this season with its relative stillness. And it's, that's not about stopping your experience of life in the moment. It's not about changing the sensations or the mind states or the thoughts that are arising, but rather shining a light of awareness onto that which is arising. Pausing, stillness, breathing, shining that light of awareness, all are ways to balance, to tilt us towards something other than, larger than just this self. And in this place, we might taste the luminous mind of freedom, which is hidden when the clinging's present. One practice that we could consider to thaw the heart or to shine the light of awareness is to nourish any instinctive movement you have towards self-restraint for the sake of something larger than ourselves. So we might notice, for example, with some curiosity, what would happen if I were to let go of an opinion that I'm holding what would happen if we were to move outside of self-preoccupation? If we were to release the hook of some strong desire? Another question. In what areas in your life would letting go bring greater benefits than continuing to hold on tightly? what would it mean to practice restraint with fill in the blank, your cell phone, (laughs) with screen time, with idle chatter? What would it mean to practice restraint? So let's just do a little guided practice right now to reflect a bit on the 
nature of strong desire in our lives. So wherever you are, just sit back comfortably. No need to be too upright. Let your eyes close if that's comfortable for you. And just for a moment, let there be a soft attention to any tight place in the body. Maybe in the muscles of the face, jaw, shoulders, the belly. And for a moment, just bring to mind an area of your life where you feel compelled by wanting mind, where there's a little bit of a craving, perhaps. It might be around work or food or buying things or alcohol. Allow yourself to go to that specific area where the wanting mind is compelling. Imagine moving toward that behavior right now, being in the room with it, with that desire, that clinging. Become still and pay close attention to the nature of wanting. What does your body feel like when the clinging, the wanting is strong? Where do you experience the sensations of wanting most strongly? Agitation in the chest, or the belly, aching in the arms, butterflies in the stomach? Is there some sensation of leaning forward, of tumbling into the future? Does the mind feel tight or speedy or conversely sluggish and dull? Pause and notice if the experience is changing. You might ask yourself, what's missing right now? Let's see if you can listen with your heart to that question, what's missing now? Noticing with a compassionate attention what sensations, thoughts, or emotions are arising. And then ask yourself, what does my heart really long for? An immediate answer might be that you want to be healthy or lose weight or make more money or find a partner or improve work conditions.
And then ask the question again, what does my heart really long for? And listen with patience, accepting whatever arises. Maybe the longing is for harmony, for freedom, for ease, for truth. Whatever arises If it's possible, just allow it to suffuse your being, aware of whatever sensations are arising. the invitation is to wake up and in the words of a poet go to the winter woods listen there look watch and the dead months will give you a more subtle secret than any you have found in the forest go to the winter woods listen there look watch And these dead months will give you a secret more subtle than any you have yet found in the forest. So even in the dead of winter, if we look outward in the woods or inside ourselves, when we pay close attention, we discover, of course, the impermanence, the moment is constantly changing like water slipping over the rocks in the river. We recognize what our experience is. If we're sad, we're sad. If we're tired, we're tired. We see it all as a human condition. This is the human experience of exhaustion, of fear, of joy. So in this way we don't embellish our experience, we don't make it more dramatic or more intense or less difficult than it is. It's like this now. We can see what's happening and hold it with some intention of kindness, friendliness for ourselves, seeing that we are not in control but relating to it without getting caught by it or in it. And to investigate, you used the word ardent earlier, to investigate with some ardency, some simple direct observation. What is the pattern here? Maybe an old pattern arising. See how we become identified with it. 
So the pausing, the stillness is not about stopping the mind. It is shining that light of awareness so that we become, we notice what's happening. And we're not limited by one experience that is arising, dissipating. We are everything. We belong to the whole. So perhaps a purpose and a potential that we all have is to perfect the Buddha-like qualities of these organisms by letting life live through us. So just I'll close with some words uh, by the Buddha and you can see how they are for you, how they land in terms of aspiration for yourself. This is what's done by one skilled in what's good who reaches toward that most peaceful state, that most peaceful state. One would be capable and straight, quite straight, well-spoken, gentle, without too much pride, content with little, easily maintained, not doing too much, and lightly engaged, thoughtful, with a peaceful demeanor, and modest, without greed among worldly things. Let no one work to undo another. Let no one think badly of anyone, either with anger or with violent thoughts. One would not wish suffering on others. Just as a mother would watch over her child, her one and only child with her life, in just the same way, develop a mind unbounded toward all living creatures. Develop a mind of loving kindness unbounded toward the entire world with no holding back. So we can ask ourselves, does this action, this attention that I am about to engage in or that I'm leaning towards, does it help me awaken or does it hinder me? Is it what's done by one who is skilled in what's good? So day to day it may be difficult and we're all going to err. But if our practice is steady, ardent, continuous, we can be sure that the moments of being awake will increase steadily just as that sunlight is increasing daily, moving towards spring. Thank you for being here, for your practice, 